Um, I'm going to invite Bishop Sanders uh, to come now. Uh, and I want you to know, uh, actually, as I was seeing uh, Daryl here and Tim Bryant, um, Bishop Sanders and myself, we had a dream some years ago about Everyone's Wilson, but the initial dream for Everyone's Wilson was to break down uh, barriers that had been built up for years around racial lines, that we wanted to see um, the, the beauty and the truth of the gospel, which is that every person is made in the image of God and there is no, no difference. And so tonight is another one of those dreams coming true as we worship together. But in my estimation, uh, this man right here is the trailblazer for all the beautiful things that we see happening uh, through the gospel in our community. Seeds that he and First Lady Sanders sown decades ago in faith. Because I was a little boy who rode the bus down Hark Reader Road. Amen? And I sat next to Lee Tay Jackson on the bus. And Davian Sanders beat me in basketball every year. <laughs> and we grew up, boys and girls in this community, and now seeing a place where our children can grow up together as one, as followers of Christ, and with everyone having the same opportunities, no matter the color of their skin. Our purpose here tonight is to worship Jesus, because that is what makes us one. And so would you help me, Providence Church friends, welcome Bishop Bobby Sanders to bring us the word of God. I love you, bro. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Yeah. And I don't know if you can do this sitting down or not, but... Uh, I, I'm, I try my best to stay out of sight, but I sure do want Jesus to be magnified because can we give Jesus, give our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ what you know he deserves? Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus deserves all of the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory belongs to the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the world. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I'm working on humility. We need more Bible studies on that subject matter when it comes to ministry. Amen. Before we get, I'll try not to be long. I'm, I'm touted as long-winded, whatever that means, but First of all, to my brother, Pastor Armstrong, your pastor, I, I can't tell you how, what I think of this, and, and I know you, you don't say it like that, but to me, he's just a young man. He's just been in ministry for a little while. I know y'all think he's been there for a long time, but compared to some, somebody else, he's, he's been there just a little while. But I commend him what a wonderful job. What a wonderful relationship we have. Uh, he has taken to heart uh, showing me a great deal of respect. And Providence, you just don't know what that means to me. I'm in the latter years of ministry. 
whatever that is. I'm in the latter years, but, I, but don't get it wrong. I'm as strong today as I was when I first began. Matter of fact, I know a little bit more than I did when I, I made a whole lot of mistakes when I first began. But I want you to know that uh, the relationship that I had with your pastor, it's not fake. It's not phony. It's real. It's real. Uh, he, he checks on me. I check on him. And that's real. I check on his family. He asks about my family. Amen. And I've known him since he was a child, by the way. Amen. I have. To all your leadership, God bless you for making room for uh, myself to come and, and do ministry. To my wife, Barbara, and all the, the other clergy that's in the building, Pastor Brooks, Pastor Dr. Bryson, uh, Pastor Willingham, I know you somewhere. Pastor Brown, I know you somewhere. And, and anybody else that's in pastoral realm that I know about, God bless you for taking time out to come tonight. All the membership of Corona, God bless you, and the other existing congregation. And, and what's going to happen in the service? Let me tell you what's going to happen in the service. I want to build your expectations. We're going to get over some things. At the end of the service, you said, we got two or three hundred years of, of, of trying to get over. But God can make a quick work of anything. If, we, if, if we're willing and obedient, the Bible says we can eat the good of the land. There's land that we haven't seen, your eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard. It hasn't entered into the hearts of people, the things that God has prepared for those that, that love him. Anybody love the Lord tonight? My dear brother, I almost said pastor. I guess he's in the elder mood now. Elder Crouch, God bless you. I'm assuming this is your wife. God bless you. You're sitting awful close to her. If it's not... Your own camera, if it's not your wife. <laughs> but God bless you. I, 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 I praise God for what you're doing in the Wilson County and extended areas. God bless you, my friend. Amen. Amen. Okay, anybody ready for the word? Okay, you ready? You can put that up now. Uh, Joshua chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. And all I ask you to do, if you don't mind, because you're going to read the word tonight, so you, you need to stand and, and read this word. We honor the word of God with the fruit of our lips. So if you're ready to read, please read. Then Joshua called the twelve men, verse 4, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel. I don't hear you guys reading. Oh, they put, they, 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 they put something else up there, Joshua 5? Okay. All right. Are you about ready? And <laughs> Whoa, my goodness. Wrong verse. That's okay. That's okay. Let me read then. <laughs> then Joshua called the twelve men. Actually, that came out of, okay. Whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every man a tribe, a tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan and take 
you up every man of you a stone upon your shoulders, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. You may be seated. And I apologize if I gave you the wrong verbiage or the wrong text. That, that's totally on me probably for real. And, but I did give you the subject matter, and I do need you to put that up if you have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can, you, can, you, can, you, can, you, can you folk do something to participate? Can you read that? Come on, one more time. Amen. How, how, how did you get over it? And now, now, I was reasonably blessed when I was in school. And uh, I didn't make straight A's, but I did pretty good. And I don't know if completely if that's a good statement or not. Because I'm putting emphasis on it. I, I want you to ask yourself a question. How did you get over it? And, and, but one thing I did do, I did take time uh, yesterday in, 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 in my business. I did take time to go to Webster's. I know how to find Webster's. I can still Google. And, and I found out in Webster's, I, I wanted to find the word it. It's an elusive little word, it. it. It says it's used to refer to a thing previously mentioned or easily identified. In other words, when I use the word it, I, I'm talking about something that I just didn't call out what it was. I didn't put a name on it, but there's a lot of it's in this building. I'm, I'm totally sure that there's plenty of things in this building that, that if we were to name them, we could say, well, that's what we're talking about. That's it right there. That, that's, that's the one. That, that, that situation, that's it right there. Something that you're perusing in your mind right now that you absolutely know that, that subject matter is calling you out. How, how did you get over it? And later on in the text, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll be brief, is, is I, I do have another point to make. I, 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 sh I should have put that up there, but it said, not only how did you get over it, but have you got over it? I think that's a pretty relevant question to ask anybody that, that graces pews or, or seats in the house of the Almighty God because our church folk, I've, I've been pastor for 30, almost 37 years now. I've been a pastor. And I'm only so old. <laughs> but you can't fool me about church nor church folk. I preached in many pulpits, even right here in the Mount Juliet area, many pulpits, crossed all kinds of denominational lines in this Mount Juliet area and, and preached in, in, in many pulpits. And unfortunately, I found out, fortunately, I found out one thing, that the gospel is relevant in every pulpit I've been in. Folks said amen. Now, tonight I'm at Providence uh, United Methodist, so can I get an amen? amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. It, it, it. I'm not going to ask you what that it is. But if you go over your mind and you begin to search things in light of getting over something, 
me asking you, have you gotten over something? Uh, I've got a right as a gospel preacher to ask you, since we're, we're brothers and sisters and, and co-laborers in the gospel, have you gotten over it? Have, have, you, have, have, have you done what Paul said, forgetting those things? Which are behind you. God bless you, Elder Ford. I see you. Amen. Forgetting those things which are, are, are behind me. I've got some things. If I, if I just constantly keep looking back at the things I've gotten over, that I haven't gotten over it. If it's still fresh in my mind, two or three days, and I'm fine, and then I see something that triggers something and it causes me to look back, I really haven't gotten over that. I gave a testimony, uh, Pastor Armstrong, right here in this pulpit sometime last year, and I'm going to tell that, that I, my wife has asked me all day long, she said, not all day, but she, she's watched me, and, 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 and she knows me. She says, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? She said, you're just cramming. You're just putting all kinds of stuff in the way. That's good for a preacher to cram and put stuff inside of him. But she knows me. And, and, and what, was, what I was wrestling with, Monday night I couldn't sleep. I did not sleep at all Monday night because of this service. Tuesday, I was able to get a little sleep. My wife asked me, said, you okay? I said, I was up all night long. She thought it was because of the word. It's because of this testimony I'm fixing to give you. Now, I have a sister in, in this building, Miss Doris Sowell, and uh, she's my, I said she's my baby sister, but she's my older sister. And what I'm about to tell reflects on our dad, and I've told her in this pulpit, and I asked the Lord, I said, because it's not good to go back and talk about too much stuff in your past. When it comes to unity and getting over some stuff, church of the living God, here's, here's one thing I assure you. We still got a long ways to go. Our altars should be loaded on Sunday morning because we got a lot of it that's coming and to service with us on Sunday morning. Are you still with me? We're, we're bringing carloads of it to our building. I, I, <laughs> I did say it. I did say it. We're bringing carloads of it, IT, to the building on Sunday morning. And we're trying to play with it, sing with it, preach with it, occupy, fellowship with a lot of it in our lives. We're smiling. We've learned. We've got learned behavior. We know how to smile. Even when we don't like somebody, we still know that it's appropriate to smile and, 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 you know, just act like that you've gotten over it. But, but a lot of times we haven't gotten over it. So I'm giving you my testimony, and, and it's going to help me. It's, it's not necessarily for you. It's for me. It's for me. I was probably about eight years old, and... Uh, I had a dad that was, I thought he was, he was my hero. I thought my dad could do anything. He trained me. He provided for me and my sisters and brother and my mom. He, he worked. He, he never missed a beat working. All I knew is my dad was a hard worker and he worked all of his life. He provided. 
My dad was good to me. My dad was good to me. I'm going to really just really open up and get real transparent. When I was about eight years old, my dad worked at a job in Nashville, Tennessee. He, he worked at a warehouse where he was a supervisor and, and, and that, that distributed groceries to, to local chains all over the place. At eight years old, I would call, you guys wouldn't know this, a certain store in our community that we, that we bought groceries out of. I would call them, and I would just pick up the phone and call them and say, can you tell, and I'd name my dad's name, can you just tell, because I knew he was going to stop there, because he was going to bring something every day. I said, can you, can you tell Mr. So-and-so that, that I want a certain thing to eat? And do you know I had a dad that would just simply just bring that? I, I, looking back on it, he had to be crazy. I would say what I wanted, and my dad would bring it home to me every day. My sister's a witness. My wife is a witness. They know it. This was 365 days a year. I would call this grocery store and say, hey, can you tell my dad? And my dad would just do it and bring it to me. At about eight or nine years old, my dad recognized that it was, it was time for him to start training me, teaching me. And my dad had little side jobs that he, he did concrete and things like that. So one day he took me on a concrete job. It was just a side job to make extra money to buy that stuff I needed at the grocery store. And and I don't know if you guys know what shade is or not. I'm not throwing shade. I didn't come here to throw shade, if you know what that word means, that terminology means. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to reflect something and make somebody feel bad. Th this is just for me. My dad took me on a job where he, was, he had been contracted to do this particular job for this individual. And uh, my dad was, I was helping him do little things. It worked all day long on a Saturday. On his off day, he just did it because he wanted to bring extra income into our home. And, and uh, at the end of the day, he worked hard all day long. I mostly played. But he worked hard all day long, and I, I sat and watched him. I was observing what he was doing. Hopefully, I was gleaning something. And when he got through, this individual that he had built this particular thing for came out of his house, looked at the thing, told my dad, my dad said, I'm done with the job. I'm ready to be paid. The individual looked at my dad. I'm standing up beside my dad at eight or nine years old. And the individual said, and I won't use the word, he said, something worried. If you don't get off my property, I'll call the police. And I knew something had gone on. But at eight, I, I couldn't quite get my mind around it because my dad's my hero. Nobody talked to my dad like that. My dad, my dad never missed a beat. He was a real dad. A certain thing was, was thrown at him, a certain byword was thrown at him, and, and my dad just stood there. Now, now, one thing I knew about my father, Doris, and you knew it too, that, that he could have retaliated. But he chose not to retaliate. He just took it. It. Got all of his tools up. Told me, come on, son, let's go home. Kind of looked back over his shoulder. I, I can see it to the day. I know where the house is at right now, Pastor Armstrong. The reason why this is in my spirit, you've heard me talk about it. 
Daryl's heard me talk about it. Some of the other brethren have heard me talk about this. I'm going to give you a word in just a second. I promise. This is for me. That thing got down in my spirit at eight years old. And I lived with it for years. And I still today know where the house is at that my dad performed that service. The man's dead. My dad's dead. Hopefully the man repented and he got it right with the Lord. I know my dad did. And I hope the man did. But let me be plain with you, Providence. For about 20 plus years or longer, every time I'd see the house, I didn't have to see the man. When I looked at the house, I heard the man. And when the man was dead, I still heard the man. Y'all not saying nothing. And if I wanted to, not, I could still hear him and I could still see every word he said to my father. But my dad took it. And he never said a word like son, this, son, that. He never, th- I know it hurt him. He took it. You know what? Somebody said, well, he ought to just went off. I'm so glad he took it. Because it has helped me to get a handle on it. Are y'all hearing me? Believe it or not, the only reason I'm here tonight is because I got a pretty good handle on it. But when I saw that house, all those years, Pastor Brooks, I would drive by the house as a grown man. My dad's deceased and gone, and I'd, still be, I'd be driving there by, by the house. Stay with me here. And I wouldn't want to look at the house when I passed by it, but I was compelled to turn and look at it. It. And I would remember, it would flood my spirit. And I would hear everything that was said to my father, and it would just regurgitate and come right back up. In my spirit. And it stayed like that. Even my wife, she she didn't know. I said, you see that house? I tell my wife, I said, you see that house right there? And I would get mad. Friend, I would get mad at a house. See how ridiculous that is? The things that we let hold us captive. The things that we let get in our spirits. They replace words and things that, that that it gets inside of us. That, that we go to church and we do all the right things and we say the right stuff, but there's still an it in there somewhere. And let me be plain. I just call it out because you got to know me. I'm just, this is just where I am. It's just not black folk that's got an it. It's the white folk that got it too. You brought, one, you brought something here tonight that's, that's giving you fits. And hopefully at the end of the service, there'll be a word that'll tell you how to get over it. Can I get one amen? Can I get another amen? Okay. Well, that, that's my story. It took me a little while. Even when I got in the Lord and got saved, I started preaching. And I still had that it messing with me. I still drive by the house and I'd look at it. And I'd want to see the man. So I, w- I was asking the Lord, will you bring him back? <laughs> I don't know if I was quite like my dad or not. 
Because at eight, I didn't take it, and I didn't know I didn't take it. I just didn't have the ability to do anything about it at eight. But when I got 28, I was asking the Lord, will you bring him back and let me talk to him for a minute? And you know the Lord didn't do that and wouldn't have done that. But somewhere after that, that age frame, by God's grace, I got over it. I, I, I got over it. And some of my brothers, some of my brothers here, some of my preaching brothers, you know I've gotten over it. You didn't even know what it was, but you know by my mannerism, like Paul said, you know my ways, you know my mannerisms. You know I've gotten over it. You know I've gotten over it. I love everybody. Y'all still with me? In the text, Israel has just come out of bondage. They're about 40 years removed out of bondage. Generationally, generationally speaking, an older generation, you better stay with me because I'm going to tell you about the it. Generationally speaking, they had followed some older folk those younger folk had followed some older folk and some of them were born and never really understood what bondage was. And they saw their, their, their moms and their dads get down to, to Jordan. They saw the encampment 40 years earlier. They were at the same place. Mighty bad 40 years ago. You still got an it from 40 years ago? Something wrong. Oh, yeah, see, talk back to me. Say amen. If I'm holding on something from 40 years ago, I'm in trouble because it's going to keep me out. Nobody might not tell you that, but if I don't get over some stuff, it's some stuff going to keep me out. Scripture says that those old folk had gotten down there and encamped at Jordan. They sent spies over Jordan. They searched out land, and they saw everything that God promised. How many of y'all believe that heaven is real? I need to know who I'm talking to. Heaven is real. Ain't no ghetto in heaven. We all got a mansion. Glory to God. I said we all have a mansion in heaven. If you're struggling with that, we, we, you got an it somewhere. We, 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 we see that the spies came back. They reported. They didn't lie on, well, at least two of them didn't lie on God. But I heard one of my mentors say, that I won't call his name because I call his name a lot and some of you don't know who I'm talking about. One of my mentors said, he said, you know what? There would be a lot of things resolved if our pulpits would get free. The, the, the problem is, our pulpits have got to declare some things. We got to call some it out. You like my play on words, don't you? We've got to call some it out. We've got we to point some things out from the pulpit. From the stage, we've got to declare some things that were, that were magnified, put light on things. And if we don't do that, we'll have a lot of folk 
walking around with a whole lot of issues in houses. Not, I'm just not pointing my finger. It, it kind of goes back this way too. Because let me be plain. I understand predominantly this is a, this is a Caucasian congregation, but let me, let me be plain. Black congregation got the same problem. We all got some it. Y'all not saying nothing. I thought I, I thought that release was house a cliff. Amen. Amen. All God people got some it. It doesn't matter what color you are. It just wants to be it. Y'all still with me? Our issue is how are we going to get over it? 40 years earlier, they had come there. Ten, ten spies had lied from the pulpit on the Almighty. Two had declared, Joshua and Caleb had declared what was right. And the people wouldn't listen to the right. It's a lot more comfortable to listen to wrong than it is right. And God, and God was watching. And God was listening. And God says to the leader, you tell those folk they'll never come in to this glorified place. He turned them out. Didn't, didn't he turn them out? Come on, you Sunday school teachers, you Sunday school people, you, you Bible study. Didn't, didn't God turn that first group out? And God let them wonder. I am preaching the word, right? And God allowed those people to wonder for 40 years. But listen to the grace of God. God was still so gracious that their shoes never wore out. In the midst of your wondering with an end in it, God still gives you grace. He won't let your shoes run out, wear out. He's hoping you'll get it right while you're walking around with it. He's hoping you'll get it right while you're walking around with it. Y'all still with me? I'm just about done. We, we go home a minute. He, God swore that none of those folk would come in except Caleb and Joshua. And you know, God's a man of his word. He can't lie. If God said it, that's what God's going to do. L listen, I'm just wishful thinking, wishful thinking. L let me use Bobby Sanders for a minute. If, if, if I go around and, and, I, and I fornicate, or, no, I can't fornicate, but if I commit adultery on my wife, just continuously practice it, just continuously practice it, continuously practice it, and, 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 and try to claim grace in the midst of it, let me be plain with you. God's word says no fornicator, no adulteress. Some kind of way, that's an it. Then I at least have to stop and look at what God has said. Because some kind of way God's word is not being acknowledged in my life. If I'm an adulterous man, man, my chances are, have, have, uh, have been reduced severely. And I can walk around and say, grace, 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 and grace. But God's word, God's word will find an it. Will you tell your neighbor God's word? Say it. We'll find an it. As the Lord ran to and fro, he can see much better than we. He has no cataracts. God can see. Get out of here. Here comes this young generation. All these folk have died. 
They're back at Jordan. And now they got to figure out how to get over. They've had no examples of how to get over. Now, now, now listen, to this, 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 this old generation that I'm a part of, while we're sitting around trying to have church, don't forget your young people in teaching them how to get over it. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Because sometimes we may have gotten over it or we may still have it. But if we go silent and never talk to our young people about it, how to get over it, our young people are going to be standing there frustrated, not knowing what's going on. Like in 2022 right now, young people don't know what's going on. They don't understand. They don't understand all the stuff, the chaos that the world's in. But the church has the answer. Can I get a witness? Jesus is the answer. Can I get a witness? Jesus can resolve it all. He, he, but thanks be to God, they still have Joshua and they still have Caleb. And God can talk to, God can talk to some people that have been somewhere. There's an old timey statement in ministry that goes like this. You can't go where you haven't been. How am I going to tell you how to get over something and I'm still retaining it? That, that, that's an impossibility for me. Well, just do what I say. Don't do what I do. And that's what, what's what some, of the, some of the church world is operating in. We're saying the right things in the pulpit, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're operating on, on another drumbeat. Y'all still with me? I'm about done. I know I'm frustrating some of y'all. Y'all don't want to hear me. Thank God for Caleb and thank God for Joshua. God begins to speak to Joshua directly. Just like God's going to speak to some, some of you parents and some of you grandparents directly tonight. God began to talk to Joshua. And he said, now Joshua, today I'm, I'm about to magnify you. In other words, I'm going to elevate you to a level. Of you're going to be a leader. He said, you tell the people that I said, tomorrow they need to sanctify themselves. Now, now, have I got a Bible study a person to hear? You know what the word sanctified means? It means it means set yourself apart. Get out of the noise. Come out of the clicks. If it's not God, stay away from it. Are y'all still with me? And 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 and, and he said, now sanctify yourself. Prepare yourselves. You're about to cross over, and they don't know how to get over. They don't know how to get over. This generation right here, the, your grandchildren, they do not. I talk to one of my sons. I got grown sons right now. And I'm working on all of them. I, they're still at work. At least two of them are here tonight, and I'm still working on them. You, you said, but, but you, you pastor, they were, they were raising God at home. That don't mean nothing because they were raising a God at home. They're still free to make choices. And at 37 years old right now, I'm saying, hey, your choices are looking funny. Your choices don't look like your mama. Your choices don't look like your daddy. Y'all ain't with me? You ain't done nothing on the black and white thing. I'm trying to talk a Sanders thing. I got to make sure all my sons get in while I'm running around all over the place preaching to people. I got to make sure my sons and my daughters get in into the house of the Almighty. 
And I was having a conversation with at least one of them, me and my wife, and I was just saying, hey, son. And he's bruised. I know he's bruised. Matter of fact, right now, he's dead. You tell it too much. But he's bruised. He's been hurt. And he's got an it. But me and his mother can begin to see that thing. That thing is losing its grip. It's losing its grip. The it is losing its grip. And, and he was just vicious. He doesn't live with us or anything. But, but, but we had a good conversation. And we saw that old it begin to lose its grip. I told my wife. My wife looked at me. She looked at me. She said, ooh. She, <laughs> she said, ooh. He yeah, would never sit and listen like that right there. I said, I know. And I'm sitting there thinking right now, yeah, that it's on the way out. It's about to lose its grip. I, I'm believing God. Hallelujah. In my closing. Yeah. That's the first one. Closing. God tells Joshua, not only to sanctify the people, but God tells Joshua, said, now, let me give you instructions. Because people like your pastor, your, your system pastor and co-pastors and all your ministry leaders, you say, what do all those folk do? We sure got a lot of ministry. Well, to whom much is given, much is required. You need a lot of ministry. You need folk to break you up that you don't be sitting in the pew hiding with an it. You need pastors that can take this segment right here and just preach this segment on Sunday about the it. While another one's right here working with this section on the it. And all the way over here, all the way around the building, and if, if, if we get more personal with this thing and, and, and ministry is allowed to do what it does, we'll get a lot of this it out of the house. Y'all see it with me? Because if your pastor won't tell you, your ministry team probably won't tell you, I'll tell you. You won't ever go where you could go as long as it is free to run through the building. Because it has a sneaky little way of shedding programs down and fussing and cussing and cussing in the house of God. Fussing in the house of God. Meetings where folk are getting upset in the house of God. I thought we got over that stuff. Backbiting in the house of God. Y'all know what backbiting is, right? That means talking. You, you mean we, 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 we're still backbiting in the house of God? I thought we got over that when we came to the altar. Oh, no, it's a whole lot of it still got to come. Right back up in this altar. Sit with me, Pastor Brooks. Tell me if I get off track. Pull, pull my coat if you want to. He, 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 he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, here's how it's going to happen. And they were home. He said, Joshua, you tell my people that what I need them to do is obviously sanctify themselves, prepare, take three days to sanctify themselves. And then on the third day, they're going to go over. But now here's how it's going to happen. Here's what good leadership does. You know what leadership is supposed to be doing? Leading. Leadership has been designated by the Almighty God to lead. Joshua says, here's how it's going to happen. I've heard from God. He told me to tell you all that on the third day, the Levites, the priests, 
I'm going to pick up the Ark of the Covenant. You know what the Ark of the Covenant is, right? It was that thing that had the manna in it and the, and the tablets and all that good stuff. He said, and, and they're going to pick it up on the third day. He said, and when you see them pick it up and move, you move out of your place. Am I still preaching, brother? He said, move out of your place. When you see, when you see the word of God move, when you see the ark move, you're not supposed to still be back over there. You're supposed to go with the word. If you want to get over it, you got to go with the word. When it moves, you got to move. When God points something out in your life that, that you know, no, you, no, you, no, you won't, you won't hear. Nobody will know God's talking to you, but you will know God's talking to you about an it. And when God speaks to that specific thing in your life that you know is troubling, when the word moves, you got to move out of your place and follow the word. You still with me? He, he said in closing, I'm, I'm really done. He said, now, he said, now, he said, now, when that happens, you tell the people just, just to go. He said, but, but before they do, I got to talk to those Levite priests. They've, they've got to go down to the brink of the Jordan. He said, all I want them to do is just kind of step over into the water. They, they got to do a lot. This is what I got happy about today. My wife thought I was cramming because she thought I was scared of y'all. I ain't scared of y'all. I just wanted to make sure I didn't lie on God. It's a serious thing to get in a pulpit and preach something that God didn't say. I wanted to make sure that I, I qualified every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I wanted to be right. He, he said, tell them, put their foot down in that water. That's really all they got to do. And when they step over into that Jordan, God going to do the rest. All you pastors, wave your hand. All you preachers, all ministry, wave your hand in the house. Wave it where, where these folk can know you in ministry some kind of way. Let me be playing with you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God's going to fight your battles. You just preach the word of God. You just do what's right. You step over into it and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of the people. If this group of people don't like you, God's got another group of people that love you. He, he, said, he said, just tell them to step over into it and don't do nothing. Just hold that ark right where it's at. He said, when you see that ark move and go, you just by faith, just follow the ark. Wherever you see it going, that ark is going in Jordan and it's flood time. Isn't it flood time? It's flood time in Jordan. In other words, what you see with your eyes tell you don't get in there. Because there's danger in there. You're going to be washed away in Jordan because it's flooding. But when those priests stepped over in there, that water began to act like it didn't want to react, but it didn't have no choice. My sister, let me tell you what I found in the Word because I'm still learning some things out of God's Word. I don't know everything in the Bible, but I'm learning some things because I'm studying. There's a scripture right there in the book of Joshua that, that when he said when the priests do this he said here's what's going to happen God's going to come down and get in the water I, I, I never paid any attention to that, that particular verse it's in there it says God's going to come down and he's going to rest in the water he's going to sit down lay down in the water whatever your head is God's going to get you over it he'll lay down on your head you're not saying nothing in hip hop this 
And even though the priest needs some assurance, if I preach this, Lord, that's what I was doing today. I said, Lord, if I preach this, you, you think they're going to they gonna run me out? And the Lord said, no, I'm just going to preach it anyway. Because God's going to come down and get into it and lay down in it and rest. Right now, about in this service, God's resting over a thing in your life. That he's already appointed, your, your, your subconscious has already pointed out a certain thing that you're thinking about it right now. He said, God, leave. I didn't know he's gonna come in and point to that thing. I thought it was safe. It ain't safe. If you have a dash, if it has a dash to come through these doors, these blessed doors, God's gonna call it out. God's not gonna let something set up in his house with a lot of mess in it. God's gonna call it out. He said, He said, He said, just tell the priest to hold on. He said, and people, when you all see Pastor Armstrong, I mean the priest. Move out and put his foot in something. It is your responsibility to remove yourself and follow. And those people by faith just started walking. When they saw the priest put their feet in there and the water started trembling and acting funny, the people started. I think God was waiting on them. Sometimes God's waiting on you to see if you're going to go. He's, he's got power over the thing to make it back up. Sometimes God wants to see some faith. Set faith. <laughs> when those people removed, Dr. Bryce, when they removed and start going, all of a sudden, here come God. God, God laying in Jordan. He just starts doing this. And the Bible says Jordan just starts backing up. Now, it's flood time. Let me give you one more little word just you take home with you what you want. There are some things that don't want to do what God said in our lives. They said, I, I came with you tonight and I'm going back home with you, but the devil is alive. It doesn't have to go back home with you tonight if you'll let God have it. If you will give it to God, God can handle that it. He's just waiting on you to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to follow you. And all of a sudden, when God recognized he saw faith, that's what moves God, faith. That's, what, that's how you got saved, faith. That's what moves the Almighty God. He wants the faith. He wants to see faith in our life. All of a sudden, that Jordan started backing up, trying to be contrary, acting like it wasn't going to obey, but it had no choice. And it was such a devastating event that, that my Bible says that ground began to just dry up. See, God has, a, God has the ability to dry some. God has the ability to dry some things up in our life. How do I, how, 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 do, how can you stand up on, on this pulpit and say that? Because remember, I told you the eight years old. You forgot my eight-year-old story. You, you'll never make me believe God can't dry something up because he's done it for me. And what he's done for me, I know he has the ability to do it for somebody else. God is no respect a person. God is no respect a person. God is no respect a person. If you're willing, God's able. He's able. He's able. Last closing, and we out of here. He, he parted that water, and he told those priests to hold your ground. Don't you move. Be steadfast. 
And I don't care what, I don't care what the denomination is doing. I don't care what the conference is doing. I don't care. Be steadfast. Give me a Bible. Who got a Bible? Give me a Bible, sweetheart. Yeah, I'll take that one right there. Give me that Bible. Baby, don't get mad at me. You be steadfast. Don't you move. Whatever that says, that's your boss. Y'all not hearing me. Y'all not hearing me. Somebody said, he'll never be back to pride. Well, if I don't, I'm taking my one shot right now. You stay on that, Pastor, and don't move. You be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know that. You know that, man of God. You know that. Come on, church. Come on, church. If he moves, will y'all move? If he moves right, will y'all move right? Say yes. He, he, them people went across. Here come them people, them mamas, them daddies, them babies. Now they mamas and daddies. Now they the old generation now. They're going across Jordan. They're just looking around. They're trying to learn on the, on the fly. Some of the stuff we, some of the stuff we get, yeah, keep standing because we out of here. So, some of the stuff we got to learn right now, you, you're not going to have time to go to Bible study. You have to sit in your kitchen table and get some of this. You have to be in your bathroom praying and fasting to get some of this. You, you ain't got no time to wait for somebody to teach you. You got to look around on the fly and learn some things. Corona, Providence, and all existing congregations. You got to learn on the run. He said, uh, he said, I'm sorry I didn't call y'all, friend. I told you I was going to call you. I'm sorry about that. I got caught up. He said, uh, hey, here they come across. They just looking up at the water. And the Bible says when all of them got across, and on the other side, oh, Joshua said, I need 12 men. I thought about what I'm going to do today. I thought about how I'm going to do it. So all I know to do, do it like this, Pastor. If you just, give, can I have the authority to do what I'm finna do? I don't know you, friend. Will you come stand right here? And, and I don't know you, friend. Will you come, yes, sir. Will you come stand right here next to your neighbor? And, and I don't know you, ma'am. Does somebody think I'm being a respected person? Will you come too? And friend, how about that, everyone? Wilson, man, right there with the t-shirt. Will you come here too? Sir, are you willing to come? Would you come? Thank you. That's about five. He told, he told, he told, he told each tribe leader, said, now, here's what I need you to do. I'm not through calling out. Uh, how about you, young lady? I don't want to, I don't, yes, you, right there with that beautiful sweater on. Right there, you. Ma'am, you in that blue jacket back there, would you come? That, 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 with no sleeves on it. Yes, ma'am, would you come? One, two, three, four, five. Can I count six, seven? I, 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 need, I need five. I, I can't count. Can I get five more people where we, where we can go home? Can I get five more people up here just, just to come? Will somebody just volunteer to come? Don't make me call y'all because I will. Yeah, there you, there you go. That, that, that looks pretty close right there. That's pretty, that's pretty. Yeah, come on. That's pretty good. Ain't nothing wrong with 13 or 14 in this tribe right here. This is a new tribe anyway. He told those people that he called out of the tribes. 
He said, now look here. Since you got over, and now you have some experience of how to get over, you've seen what God can do. All y'all are saved, right? Glory to God. He says, now since you are saved, I need you to go right back down and go right back down there in Jordan. I got over. Yeah, but it's not all about you. Here's the problem with the modern day church pastors. I got mine. I guess they'll have to get theirs. That's not the way it works. We're supposed to be concerned about one another. We're supposed to be caring about one another. We're supposed to be preferring one another above ourselves. Is that the word? Yes, I'm saved, but I want to see somebody else get saved. Now, I'm not saying these folk are not saved. That's, that's not why they're up here. They're up here because they look like a rock. Joshua told those men go and, and women to go back down there in that Jordan and grab a stone and physically pick it up out of Jordan and put it on your shoulder and carry it over to the other side. Is that the word? And put them in a heap. In other words, just, just put them down, put them in a pile. And when they got that last stone out there to put over there, then Joshua said, hold up. I need to go down there now. I need about 12 more stones. I'm not asking nobody to come. I, I'll expedite the service. But Joshua said, I need to get 12 more stones right out of the middle of that Jordan. And I need to deposit those where the priest's feet was standing when they obeyed the almighty God. And I want to put those rocks right down there. It's going to be a memorial. Now, now, now we know what that on the other side is going to be. It's going to be a memorial. But what's, what's that one down there in Jordan going to be? Had to be some significant reason. Because Jordan getting ready to come back together. And, and ain't nobody going to see it. Nobody going to see those 12 stones. But my Bible tells me that even up to today, those stones still set in the same place in the middle of Jordan, testifying that if God did it once, he can do it again. Y'all not saying nothing in the house of the Almighty God. Can he do it? If he saves you, can he save somebody else? Can he do it? He still will make a way for somebody tonight. And Pastor, I'm going to stop. I close on this and, and we, I promise we're out of here. He said when they passed, as soon as they packed, packed that rock right there by the feet, priest's feet, Scripture said Joshua walked back out and he called the priest. They'd been, they'd just been standing there holding that ark, man, to everything God wanted to have done was done. They didn't slack on God. They stayed steadfast on God. When Joshua got out, Joshua said, now y'all can bring that ark on up out of there. And as soon as that heart came out of there, that water said, uh-oh, I ain't got nothing holding me no more. God, because God got up. When God's will had been satisfied, God got up. Went back to glory for not concerned. And the waters came back, just like they were. Now, you got this heap of rocks over here on the ground. This heap of rocks right here on the ground. This heap of rocks that everybody's looking at. These are your brothers. These are your sisters. Joshua fashioned them up. The scripture says for memorial. He fashioned them up for a memorial. And so, why? 
because he was concerned about the next generation. He says, somebody said, what do these stones mean? He says, they testify to how you got over that when your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren come to you and ask you, mama, grandmama, how did you get saved? How did you get over it? I heard, I heard through our family lineage, you and Auntie so-and-so had, had a beef and y'all fell out over some dishes and y'all never spoke to each other again in, 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 in the inheritance fight. I'm telling you right now, folk are falling out over dishes in an inheritance fight. Siblings are not speaking to one another. We out of here. We going. But we got to get over it. Say we got to get over it. I got more, but I don't have time to give you no more. I, I really don't. I really don't have no more time. But just know this. When your children ask you, how did you get over that stuff? Be transparent and have a good answer. I've got the answer to tell them how you got over God.